Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Reservations. We're your hosts. I'm Rain Whalen. And I'm Jeremy Blair. Now, before we start, I just watched the most incredible thing today on Hulu uh, that I very much encourage people to watch. Uh, it's it's so unique and it's it's an experience. This It's called... Um, Oh my God, In and of Itself. Sorry, I almost <laughs> forgot. Wouldn't that have been hilarious? It's called In and of Itself. Um, it's uh, Derek Delgadio. Um, maybe we can put a poster here. Um, yes. And I don't, I very much encourage people not to look him up, uh, not to look up the synopsis, not to look up, don't even watch the trailer. I say just dive right in. If you have a Hulu subscription, type in In and of Itself. It'll go right to it. It's an hour and a half. Um it's amazing. It's is, one of the most incredible things I've seen. Is it a Hulu exclusive? I think so. it might be. I don't know. Uh, I just or knew, was it just posted to Hulu? When I heard about it, they had mentioned it's on Hulu, so it might just be a Hulu exclusive. Yeah, actually, you know what? It is because I think it says Hulu original. So yeah, yeah, oh. Hulu exclusive, guys. Um, uh, I mean, Hulu makes some dope movies. So yeah, yeah. Uh, this one is just so different. I can't recommend it enough i saw it today and i haven't been able to stop thinking about it i bought his book on audible and i was listening to it on the way up here uh, about him being a at least at first it's about him being um a a card mechanic in an underground poker game uh meaning he's hired uh, to cheat uh, oh. for the person who hired him right oh, okay. um, and i mean it's incredible so um Definitely watch in and of itself. I again, I can't recommend. You know, it's weird to do this at the top of the show because it's very reminiscent of uh, with me of like when I went to go see um, it comes at night uh-huh. and then the trailer for a ghost story popped up and I was like, well, I want to watch that instead. You know, <laughs> like you guys are going to watch that instead. I guess that's fine. I don't care. Well, um, I mean, uh, you know, as we were kind of talking about off mic, you know, there might be some new changes coming to the YouTube channel. That's true. That's true. So uh, we'll work. We'll, we'll we'll announce it on the Facebook and everything. Yeah. Uh, but you know what? Since you did a film recommendation, I want to do okay, cool. just real quick, and then we'll dive into the episode because I I'm actually really interested to talk about a lot of the I wouldn't necessarily say theories about the movie, but just I guess the overall human condition uh-huh. of this movie. But uh, just real quick, we're talking about it off mic. So Jeremy picked probably a really good movie compared to what I'm about to say, but if you haven't already, take the time, watch Zack Snyder's Justice League. I'm sorry, okay? I enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, I saw it too. Um, I didn't like it nearly as much as you did. I really liked the epilogue. That's because Jeremy has not seen the original theatrical cut, uh, no. so he can't compare why this is better. No. But I can tell you, I I can tell you it's shorter the other one, but um, but by two hours. Yeah, but I mean, but Joss Whedon just, I mean. I mean, like, I saw some reviews on, like, Letterboxd that made me laugh. Um, uh, of this one or the original no, theatrical? On this one. This, okay. The Snyder Cut. Uh, one of them was, it really made me laugh because after I saw it, I was like, oh, they were, they're out of their minds. Uh, because <laughs> they said that uh, Martin Scorsese writing not uh, out, like, scratching not out of his not cinema review and crying i was like okay let's relax but um i mean like, this is cinema. i was like relax look um, i mean i mean the movie is way more cinematic than uh the original yeah. cut we have it in that four three scale which is something that i loved which is yeah that was an interesting and i also read a review that was you know that was sort of a fuck you to uh 
uh, to Warner Brothers and because because he, from what I understand, he wanted to release it in IMAX and IMAX theaters. The screens go up and down instead of side to side, so he wanted it so we can see everything. But then when Warner, when he left the the project to deal with his family, uh, his family troubles, Joss Whedon recut the film to be widescreen, and so we lost all this amazing detail. You definitely lost some sky beams. Um, <laughs> but if you haven't seen it, take the time to watch it. Uh, I, I enjoyed it. It's it does the film justice. Uh, oh, uh, did you do that on purpose? No, not okay. really. Uh, that was pretty good. Hopefully, maybe this will re-spark Zack Snyder's interest, and he'll actually be able to continue with the original plan that he had before uh, Andy Muschietti's Flash movie. He's directing the Flash. Because supposedly that's going to reset the entire timeline. So uh, Ashley made a good point last night when I told her that. She's like, oh, so this is all pointless. Yeah, none of this matters. But anyway. um, But yeah. So in and of itself. In and of it. Please watch in and of (laughs) it. Justice League. Oh, my God. So Jeremy. Yes, sir. As you just discovered, I just finished this movie literally today. (laughs) Yeah, literally not even an hour ago. I really, I really enjoyed it. Good. Um, you know, I'm gonna go ahead and get the joke out of the way now. I was pretty excited to see Michael Fassbender Schween. Dude, I mean, it's, it's I mean, pretty good. I mean, he, he, he's hanging brain. He is. Um, and uh, for all of you, uh, this will be the last joke I make in this episode. But um, for all of you, sunny Philadelphia fans out there, he hangs dong. Oh yeah, so, for sure. Um, um, but but then once we, you know, once the movie continued, I was really invested in him mm-hmm. and there's not a lot of um not a lot of dialogue in this movie not really not in a traditional sense i mean yeah. there is in a lot of in a couple of scenes anyway with him and sissy mm-hmm. uh, yeah. with brandon and sissy um where we get these really long shots of them talking and arguing and um and so if you missed last week we were discussing what year jeremy 2011 2011 Shame. Shame. Steve McQueen's film. Uh, well, I'd like to point out, we should use his full name, Sir Stephen Rodney McQueen. <laughs> uh, he got knighted. I didn't know that. That's cool. I, I had to look it up because I was going to ask you on camera, and I wanted to know ahead of time uh, if any relation to the other Steve McQueen. And then when I looked it look up, him up, and I was like, oh, he's he's British. He's There is no oh, relation. I didn't think you would go straight for the... British aspect of him to say that he's not related to Steve McQueen, but that's fine. Well, uh, he's an African American filmmaker. Yes, um, uh, which I, which is his film um, Twelve Years a Slave. You know, I mean, well, it's well, incredible. I don't and, know if you guys have seen Twelve Years a Slave. I highly and recommend. Fastbender's in that too. Isn't yes, he? Fastbender is in every single one of his movies except Widows. Oh. Um, well, he's got that Liam Neeson though. Yeah, I guess. Uh, but we're not talking about Widows or 12 Years a Slave. Uh, we're talking about Shame. Shame. Um, before we really get into it, I want to ask, because sure. they don't give a, a reason, because, you know, there's reasons for certain things. Why is it called Shame? Um, I, a lot of it is, I, I think, his, his sort of self-loathing, okay. right? Um, and, you know... It, to boil this movie down, this movie's an addiction movie. Right. Um, Much like our uh, shout out to our uh, 
Requiem for a Dream episode. Yeah, it's an addiction movie. And so where he is aware that of, he has a problem of this addiction and knowing that, you know, he's really not doing anything to stop it, really. Yeah. So I, I think that's where the title comes from. And okay. again, his and we'll get more into his relationship with his sister, but that's also got some baggage. And mm. so it's on multiple levels. It could also be her as well. You know what I mean? Like her yeah. level of self-loathing, which we get to a crescendo near the end of the film. Yeah. The last um, 15 minutes of the film where that sort of, you know, uh, breaks down. But I think that's sort of where the title comes from. And I could be completely wrong. I mean, I mean, that's good. I, I, I tried to figure it out because like I said, you know, most films have a reason for the title. Not all the time. You know, there's movies that, don't much like you know songs from bands i listen to the title has nothing to pertain to the actual theme of the song early fallout boy comes to mind exactly our lawyer made us change the title of the song <laughs> to keep us from getting sued um yeah man um i'm yeah, actually I, surprised i still remember that i am too uh, it's a great album though um yeah one from uh from under the cork tree under the cork tree yeah primo fallout boy oh my god anyway um, but anyway, yeah, so like, it, uh, I had, a, I had a suspicion that it had something to do with his addiction to sex. Um, I had a little bit of suspicion too, that it had something to do with Missy or not Missy, Sissy, mm-hmm. um, his sister, which I want to talk about Carrie Mulligan in this role yeah. for, we're just going to live stream this episode now. Cause yeah, Carrie I, Mulligan is incredible in this, but we'll, um, but we'll, we'll, get to that. we'll get that, but you know, and it's just so interesting, uh, too, you know, kind of, and I'm going to hearken back to our Rucker Room for a Dream episode a lot because, you know, those characters, as we discussed, for a good chunk of the movie, they don't see it as an addiction. Not necessarily. And if anything, they're, maybe their awareness of the addiction is being overshadowed by their drive to meet their goals, right? Right. Brandon's not doing anything like that right he's not striving for something he's not doing anything yeah he's just living his life living right. it up the the bachelor life in new york yeah which it took me a while to figure out that it was in new york mm-hmm. which i actually appreciate it i'm glad we didn't get any title cards saying we're in new yeah, york and it's not a it's not your traditional new york that you're shown in, in right yeah we're, we're shown more of like i mean i don't know new york so I'm not going to be like, yeah, it's the Upper East Side. Right, I don't know. But yeah, you know, it's it's not, you know, we see Times Square once, mm-hmm. barely, when David, god damn it, I'm mixing up all Michael Fassbender's characters now. <laughs> Brandon goes on his run and we barely see Times Square. Um, or not even Times, we see um, Carnegie Hall, I think. I, I have no idea. I don't know. I'm we see, we see a, a pretty big New York, Madison Square Garden. We Madison see, Square Garden. Which I think is near Times Square, but anyway, I have no idea. Uh, that's but yeah, it's you know it's it's a different version of New York. You know, we're used to seeing everything that came to mind. Even though this film doesn't take place in New York, is uh, Brandon is almost very Patrick Bateman esque. I was gonna bring that up. So um, even though I wrote it down, I wrote down that he and his group of and I put friends in quotes. Um, co-workers i guess and boss yeah are very reminiscent of american psycho and i even put not in a joking way like i'm not joking i'm not like you know making yeah, a a comical comparison i truly 
you know, their job is sort of ambiguous. Yeah, I, I was um, like, are they ever going to tell us what they do? No. And, you know, his boss especially is a complete scumbag. Right. Oh, yeah. Well, and seeing that guy plays uh, a lot of good scumbags. He does. He, I, I recognize him in a lot of... He, he was the villain in Iron Man 3, or one of the villains in Iron Man 3. The only role I see him play a good guy in, he's in the movie for like five seconds, is uh, uh, Gore Vergimsky's The Lone Ranger. Mm. He plays Army Hammer's brother. He was. He also has a really good small role in Flight. Um, With uh, Denzel? Mm-hmm. Love that Denzel. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, like... It, very early on in the film, I was like, this is very kind of American psycho. It is very American you know? psycho. He, Brandon has his morning routine, wake up, get something to drink, check the messages, shower, go to work. Yeah. His ha- apartment is very neat. It's very organized. And uh, very simplistic in design, yeah. I would say. It's very neutral in color. Mm-hmm. Um, every time I... Another joke that I'm going to make. Um, <laughs> when, like, uh, when I was, like, moving apartments or going to a dorm or whatever, um, in college, I would always make the joke that when we get to the stainless steel stuff mm-hmm. for, like, bathrooms and stuff, I go, oh, we can go American Psycho with the thing, you know? Yeah. Um, it's, it's very, you know, it, it's very high society. Uh, right. Brandon's apartment. Even though it's probably not as gaudy it, as American Psycho. Yeah, but and it's probably more on the uh kind of I would say the middle side of high society. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not this extravagant building his apartment is in. It's a nice building. No, it is nice. I it, for in our perspective, it's very high society, right? Right, right, right. right. I, I would say that I don't think we could comprehend the true socioeconomic elite. I don't think we would be able, yeah. like to us, I mean, that would, it's a fantasy. It's not, a, it's more than a fantasy. It's complete lunacy, right? Yeah. We wouldn't be able to comprehend it, right? But to us, this is high society. So right, I, a little bit, but, but, but I, but I kind of like that too, you know, that Steve, Steve McQueen is showing us this high society through a lens that's probably more middle high class mm-hmm. society. But but, you know, yeah, you know, and, you know, Brandon's look, too, you know, really nice. He doesn't wear suits. It's mainly just blazers and nice pants, but still they're very nice. They're... Very neutral in color. Very neutral in color. They're they're pressed. Every, you know, just... Everything that he wears... Is very neutral. And very, yeah, it's almost like they're the same. He's wearing the same thing every day. Yeah. Uh, which I liked, which I appreciated. I also liked that... He, his routines are even down to the way he wears a scarf is exactly the same every day, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which, that's the first time I ever saw someone wear a scarf like that. Oh, yeah. And I think it's super rad, you know? With the, where they where they take it and they fold it in on itself. Yeah, they and fold the, it in half and then reach it through the other side, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but then, you know, his nightly routine. Uh, a come, little different. Comes home. If, if he comes home at all, comes home and... Uh, Pops on some porn. Yes. Um, <laughs> I may have to censor us when we post this on YouTube. And I, you know, it's almost like um, he's not, it was, it's, it's very strange the way he does it. Cause he's not undressed. He's not touching himself. No, he's, he's just, just watching. Just... And the jump cut suggests that it's for a while. Yeah. Right. Uh, because he, he gets his Chinese food. He gets his beer. He sits down, he pulls up his laptop, and then we jump cut to his sleeves rolled up, the Chinese food's on the other side of the table, 
He's now more leaned forward mm-hmm. and in deep concentration. And that's when the phone keeps ringing, right? And it's mm-hmm. Sissy. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, and Sissy, of course, shows up almost immediately in the movie uh, through these phone messages that he keeps getting. Yeah. Um, and they keep getting more and more aggressive. Yeah. Until she just shows up. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's... And of course, we don't know who she is. We assume it's a... Uh, an ex-lover or mm-hmm. something, right? We don't know who it is. Yeah, someone who knows his number, wants to talk to him. Uh, yeah, because all she says in the first few messages is, pick up, Brandon, pick up. Yeah. And it's kind of annoying. Could be his wife, right? Yeah. It could be, you know, someone else's wife, <laughs> right? Which could be very possible given his, you know, reputation. Yeah, especially in, in the first... 15 minutes of the film where we're kind of getting to learn Brandon through what I found really interesting is no dialogue, just watching him in in his morning routine and then him on the subway. The subway sequence is incredible. The, Mm -hmm. the back and forth of the editing and just the, the nonverbal communication. Mm -hmm. It's incredible. And then, you know, the, the subtle shots of, of her playing with her wedding ring and then we get to see the wedding ring and then, you know, him going up behind her when she stands up. And I mean, it's, it really sets up his character very nicely Mm -hmm. and sort of how his brain works and how easy this is for him. Yeah. Uh, Making eye contact with this lady on the subway. She's throwing flirty eyes back. Yeah. Uh, But of course, as, as you mentioned, she's married. So she starts to, feel guilty that she is throwing flirty eyes. And so when he gets up from behind her, his brain is like, all right, well, this is happening now. Yeah. But she beelines it out of the subway and, and the, he loses her. The score is also assisting in, <clears throat> in our emotional reaction as it swells, mm-hmm. uh, as he, as he follows her out of the subway and then slowly fades when, when he when he loses her, right? When he loses track of her in the crowd, mm-hmm. um, it's brilliant. I, Steve McQueen, I think, should be in more conversations in terms of best working directors today. Oh, for sure. Uh, Steve McQueen. Should I really um, I'm gonna go, just go ahead and get this out of the way. I've never seen Twelve Years a Slave. Okay. I I do I do want to, uh, and that was before it won Oscar. It won Best Picture that mm-hmm. year too, right? Um, that was before that. Uh. And I for sure am going to watch it now because this movie is just gorgeously shot mm-hmm. um, for being only in a handful of locations. You yeah. know, we're primarily either at Brandon's work, his apartment, or we're just out in the city. And he almost, Steve, <clears throat> sorry, everyone, my throat's getting a little dry there. Oh uh, I think it was that uh, Thai tea. Have you ever had Tati Dog? No. So good. Oh, my God. Um, but he almost uses the city as a character. Mm-hmm. You know, when, especially when, my, uh, I almost called him Michael, Brandon uh, goes on a sex bender. Yeah. And he is, Steve McQueen is using this, the, the, the city to almost guide Brandon to these next encounters. Mm-hmm. Um, so we don't really get a lot of. No, not necessarily. Places. I, and even when we're in another location, um, we really don't get establishing shots. We don't get wide shots. We don't get, mm-hmm. you know, we don't get a sense of the geography of the space we're in. 
Right. Right. Especially when we get sort of a tracking shot going into that nightclub where Sissy's going to sing. Mm-hmm. But then once we're there, it's tight close-ups um, on our characters, right? Yeah, and so we don't know where this lounge right. bar is. And even the when she's done singing in there at the table, it's just two or three shots and mm-hmm. we're done, right? Yeah. Um, so it, it, is, it does give an intimate feel and also a sort of, I wouldn't say claustrophobic feel, but a sort of a interesting feeling where I don't know where I am. Yeah. Right? Uh, confusion maybe but, but it's also not uncertainty it's also not very jarring no. you know there's a lot of, i feel like we've talked a lot of films that do that where we don't know the audience we don't know where we are Requiem for a dream is a wonderful example mm-hmm. yeah i think we're going to be referencing that a lot uh yeah you know with that we didn't know where we are at all and it was a little uncomfortable with this one jarring yes but i didn't find it uncomfortable no uh, there's a little, I, I think, intentional. Um, I didn't read anything about this sort of homage. Um, but when when he gets to the the underground gay club, mm-hmm. um, it's very reminiscent of the beginning, technically the end, of Irreversible, uh, Gaspier Nose film, um, where it's shot in reverse chronological order. So oh. in the beginning of the film, but the end of the narrative... Um, it's, it's shot in that, you know, red, orange light. Hue, and, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Uh, and so I don't know if he did that on purpose or not. Uh, it's also a gay club, um, yeah. in Irreversible. Um, but I, I want to switch gears just a little bit because, yes, we do bring up Requiem for a Dream as sort of a light comparison. Mm-hmm. I would say it's closer this isn't going to make any sense at first, but it's closer to, and yet the exact opposite of it's such a beautiful day where in it's such a beautiful day, it's very existential. Who, where am I in the world? Right. What is Uh the meaning of all of this and finding appreciation for all of this to where this is the exact opposite is introspection, which is who am I as a person? Right. Right. And my place in any of this, right? I, I think that, you know, he spends a lot of time by himself, Brandon does. Mm-hmm. Um, the opening shot, especially, is just him staring at the ceiling, mm-hmm. um, almost in quiet contemplation or in self-loathing contemplation. Yeah, because we, as, you know, if you go back and think about that opening shot, it was probably after a sexual encounter the night before. And... You know, because the bed is messed up and it's, you know, he's, yeah, it's about a good five, six minutes. Well, I would say about five minutes. No, the shot. No, it's not that long. But uh, because the him and Sissy on the couch watching TV is is six minutes. Oh, okay. So if that felt like an eternity, the, the shot's not. It's like, <laughs> it, it, well, it's very impressive that these guys are, you know, having to invoke such emotion and memorize so much dialogue yeah <laughs> that you know when you're like dude they haven't cut yet <laughs> you know oh, and yeah. it's been a while um it's just extremely impressive yeah uh so no it's not that long but it, it, it is a good like minute or so you know yeah i mean it, a lot of it with him not blinking you know it's um uh, it's almost like when we talked about a ghost story of these long shots uh I was going to say something, 
But you kept talking. And it, <laughs> it'll come back to me. Okay. But, um, but yeah, you know, and, and, and that would explain why Brandon is so angry all the time. He is, yeah. Because he, he is, I mean, he doesn't show it around his boss and his coworkers, but he, you can tell there's this anger that no, he has. No more so than when Sissy gets there. Yeah. He is the most angry when she's there. And, let okay, let's talk about Sissy. So Sissy gets there, and Steve McQueen does something that I can't get enough of, which is placing the camera... And using reflections. Oh yeah, it's I I I think it's my dyslexia where it's just like it would take me forever to set up that shot because I would have to think about where the camera is and also how the reflection is going to look and where the person has to be. Blah blah blah. Mm. All that stuff. Yeah. And so when we meet Sissy, it's in reflection. Yeah. Right? We, I mean, we can see Carrie Mulligan, but she's almost blocked by the door frame, but we can fully see her in the mirror. Same with Michael Fassbender. Yeah. The camera's not in shot. I mean, in terms of technicality, and we'll get back to Sissy, I've all I'm always been impressed with mirror shots because mm-hmm. it's like, how do you not see the camera on the reflection? Right, and, you know, if you digitally take it out, how can you see what was behind it, right? So, right. I mean, it, it brings up a lot of technical aspects and technical questions that we don't know, right? If right. you do know, let us know how they did it. Please. Uh, but yeah, and, and you know, and that's the only time, and I was thinking about this throughout the rest of the movie, that's the only time that Brandon smiles around Sissy. Because she's like, you, you have a baseball bat? He's like, yeah. And that's, and it's almost like, like, okay, good. I'm not in danger. It's just my dumbass sister. Right. You know, but the other, but the rest of the time he's around Sissy, he he doesn't smile around her. No, he doesn't and, laugh, and I mean yells at her, right? Yeah, I mean, oh, in a few yeah. in a few instances, one one of the most you know sort of like it woke me up. Oh right, yeah, I is must... when she goes to his bedroom. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I actually jumped. Yeah, um, because he's already angry that she has slept with his boss. Yeah, right? in his bed. Right. Uh, which he is so upset, which I want to, and I'm going to come back to because I have a sort of a theory on that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. When he tells her to get the fuck out of my room. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's loud and it, you know, it, it's not a gradual shift either because like he, he's very quiet. He's a little louder. Get out. And then boom, it explodes. Yeah. And then there's when um, he gets caught masturbating. There's mm. that sequence where he, you know, she thinks it's a joke at first and then, you know, he's furious. Right. Right. Um, there are those two instances really that come to mind when, you know, showing his anger. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's and it, it's a great in that scene where they're talking, you know, it, it begs the question, well, why are you so angry at your sister? And, you know, it, when she's just trying to talk to him and she asks him, why are you so fucking angry? He's like, why am I so fucking angry? You you want to know why? And just goes into this mouth vomit about how she's a burden and how she, you drag me down. And it's it's so crazy to me, you know, and something kind of a side note, something I really love is this movie does feel very 
realistic too in in its conversations. Mm-hmm. So during that whole thing, uh, I just found it so heartbreaking that this brother can't see that you know his sister needs help. Mm-hmm. You know, and all he's thinking about is, well, you're invading my life, and you know, having a brother myself, you know. She brings up a really good point. If I were to leave, we would never speak again. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and it's just and he would be completely fine with that. Yeah. And so it begs the question: Why? Why is he so angry? And what's up with the addiction? Right. So, um, I think they're connected. Right. Mm-hmm. I think that obviously with most. I mean, I wouldn't say most, but in a lot of cases with addiction, it's escaping something, right? right. And that's how they got addicted in the first place. It, right. it it occupies the mind. They are not thinking about whatever they were thinking about and whatever. So um, it leads me to believe childhood trauma, maybe. Um, and it's implied, you know, with Sissy's voicemail. We're not bad people. We're just from a bad place. Right. Um, and then I love when directors do this, where they have an opinion about the material, but they leave it up to you. Right. Mm -hmm. Steve McQueen says he does. He personally doesn't see anything sexual about their relationship. He just thinks that they are comfortable around one another and it's not a big deal. Right. Right. They're constant nudity in front of one another. Right. Yeah. When we first meet Sissy, she's in the shower, fully naked. Yeah. And he's not like, oh, uh, I mean, he does offer her a towel, but he's not yeah, like actively. Because she must be cold, right? <laughs> right. Uh, and the same when she catches him masturbating, right. you know, his towel falls when he confronts her in the living room. Right. So. But he's fine with you thinking maybe there was, right? Some. Something happened in there. Some incestual um, I thing. Now, again, what do you think, right? Because that was one of the questions I wrote down because I think it's it's interesting to contemplate and explore I these ideas. I didn't get that mm-hmm. feeling uh, of any incestual things. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, me personally, I've never had a sister. Uh, I mean, me either, so. Yeah. Oh, well, you're an only child. So. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to all our only child uh, fans out there. Um but, you know, it's, you know, a lot of the times I've seen in film and TV that brothers and sisters do have a very close relationship, um, but it's not sexual in any way. Um, so I didn't feel like that, you okay. know. I I had a kind of an instance, like when she was like, can you just hug me? And she just kind of got, well, no, 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 I'm sorry. It was when she tries to cuddle him in bed. Yeah. That was the only part I was like, mm, that's a little strange. Mm-hmm. But I didn't find that sexual. Though. Okay. I was just like, that's a little weird. Um, but yeah, I mean, something could have happened, you know? And yeah. again, like I said, it's implied. Steve McQueen does a really good job of implying there is some sort of childhood trauma. Right. And it's, and you get to decide what that is. Yeah. Right. Or at least, you know, explore ideas of what that might be. And so so I want to bring this theory up just real quick before sure. I forget. And I just remembered what I forgot. Oh, uh, I'll make it brief. Uh, Michael Fassbender, because uh, we were talking about there's a lot of takes without dialogue. Michael Fassbender does a lot of face acting. Yeah. 
especially in the uh, threesome sequence. Oh, yeah. A lot of face acting. A lot of face acting. But, uh, but anyway. Um, what was I talking about? We were talking about uh, theories. Theories. Right, right, right. Okay. Um, is something else that Mike, uh, that I almost said Michael, Brandon can't stand is not being in control. Mm-hmm. That's why he's so disgusted when Sissy sleeps with his boss. Not only because, yeah, that's my boss. He just had sex with my boss who's married and has a family. But Which he doesn't care about, by the way. Because he um, he encourages his boss to go talk to that blonde woman at the bar. Yeah. So I th- he doesn't care about that. I think he, he just brought it up to make Sissy feel bad. Right. But uh, but anyway. Uh, but, you know, he, he can't stand that. Okay, I'm not in control here. You just went to my bedroom and have sex with my boss. So, fuck you. I'm going to go on a run then. Because he yeah. can control that. One of my favorite shots in the whole movie. Yeah, is his, great tracking shot. Right, is his run. And, I mean, from just a technical standpoint, extremely impressive. Oh, Not yeah. only that they kept up with him um, in a... Very busy city as New well, York. yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, they would have had to close that... That whole section off. Or at least, if not the street, at least just the lane, right? Yeah. Um, and... Anyway, don't matter. But anyway. I, you know, I I've always been impressed by that, and it's very, again, like I said, reminiscent of the opening shot where he's just in his thoughts. Right. right. This is a time for self reflection. Mm-hmm. Right. And, um, I think the best scene of his self reflection is when Sissy sings. Um, yeah. So the way they filmed that before we get into the scene itself. Is there were three cameras separate, right? So one on Carrie, one on Michael. And and one on the other actor. I forgot his name. Uh, I think his name is David. All at the same time. So um, it was all happening in real time. Okay. The the scene is shot in real time. Um, and he got to choose when to cut where, right? Later. Gotcha. So he could have this single shot. He could have done the entire thing on just Carrie Mulligan, right? Yeah. Um, it's good to have options, but... <laughs> Uh, I, I don't know. It, it's, it's not a emotional song. Mm-hmm. New York, New York, New York, New York. Um, if you've listened to the Frank Sinatra version, um, you know, it's not right. Or at least it's not meant to be right. Uh, but the way she does it and both of them get so emotional, mm-hmm. you know, um, you can, you can tell, you know, there's. There's something there, and then we could spend all day dissecting the lyrics and what triggered what when, right? Mm-hmm. And, right. And so, I mean, um, it's one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Well, and also, you know, uh, shout out to our Inside Lewin Davis episode. Here, getting to hear Carrie Mulligan sing again, yeah, was amazing. Uh, yeah, I, I think she has a great voice. Neither Fassbender or the other actor had ever heard her sing before, and so really? those reactions were also genuine. I I feel like uh, this is just me personally because I'm a big fan of. Mumford and Sons. I yeah. think I think Marcus should do a side project and it's just him and Carrie. Yeah. Because I would love to hear them singing together. Mm-hmm. But anyway. But yeah, no, the scene and the scene is very gorgeous. Not only in terms of how it's shot, but yeah, Michael Brandon crying. Yeah, it's that that one tier It's narrative implications, yeah. Like uh Denzel did in Glory. Yeah, it was a good glory cry, wasn't it? <laughs> um I've all, I'm always impressed by actors who can do that. 
Um, and Carrie cried too, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I think she had a tear going. Um, but yeah, Fastbenders was, you know. Yeah, it, and it's, and that's also very crucial to Brandon's character development because, you know, we could tell very early on that morning that he does have a very combative relationship with Sissy. You know, she's drinking orange juice out of the jug. Can you get a glass, please? Yeah. If you're going to stay here, your ass is out the door with me at 7 a.m. Um, you know, just laying out all these rules. And so then the fact that he even showed up to her gig, I didn't think he was going to show up. I was like, right. oh, he's not going to go. Especially considering she had brought up the fact that she's asked him to come to other shows and he hadn't. And so I was like, oh, he's not going to show up. So that shocked me. I was like, oh, wow, he actually went. And the fact that her singing triggered this response in him, you know, I've said it twice already, but I'll just say it a third time. Again, very much implying that something happened in their childhood. Yeah. And something about this song is triggering a lot of those memories. Right. And is, um, and he hates that he's thinking about it. Right. Because, Mm -hmm. you know, I think that's the one and only reason he hates seeing Sissy is Is that he has to think about. Right. It it brings back so many memories. Right. I, I, in one of your favorite shows, uh, scrubs. I didn't, I was, I was like, uh, Dr. Want... Cox hates seeing his sister because it brings so much childhood trauma back to the surface. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that's exactly what this situation is. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree because you know, it's, it's one thing, you know, to be angry with someone, you know, if they just make mistakes, but he, it's a know, different kind of, hate. it's a different kind of anger and hate yeah. with sissy. And I think it's because, like you said, it, it forces him to think about right. what happened. And it's a fine line, this this sort of, um, which is, again, the acting is in, in tremendous, right? Mm-hmm. Because he has to be angry she's around, but not completely hate her, right? Because he has to invoke, I still love my sister, but it's too hard, right? right? Especially, especially in that scene when she comes to sit at the table with him, and uh, I think either the actor's name is David or the character's name is David. I don't mm-hmm. remember. Yes, the character's name is David. I don't know what the actor's name is. Um, and she's like, "So, so how was it? What did you think?" And he, you can tell, and it's a testament to great writing and great acting. You can tell he really wants. To really say what he thinks, mm. but he knows if he says what he really thinks in front of his boss, he's going to come off as an asshole. So he tries to mask it with like, yeah, yeah, it was, it was good, it was good, yeah, like, uh, yeah, yeah, it was good, and and you could tell that even kind of hurt her a little bit. Like, oh, it was just good. Yeah, I I read it a little bit differently. I read okay. it that he, um, wanted to. Say it was great, but admit how it hit him emotionally, right? Uh But number one, saying it out loud would make it too real. Number two, 
they're in mixed company, like you were saying. His right. boss is there, right? And then, again, he doesn't want to admit that he's still struggling, right? right. I, I read it that way, that he is, you know, trying to come off as if all the stuff they went through, it's all past him, right? It's all gone. Right, okay. Well, yeah. I, I kind of like that a little more. I mean, you know, it's... Like I said, it's a testament to good writing and good acting. Like, the writing was on point and how Michael delivers these lines and even how Carrie reacts to them uh, is great. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I really want to talk about his his quitting cold turkey. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's after they have their fight when she catches him masturbating. Um he and she opens up his computer to see that so we finally see what he's been looking at the whole time or at least that time at least that time yeah uh and so he just decides and she's so disgusted with him that she leaves and so he just decides and i think we've all had this kind of not for this particular thing but like we've all had this mentality of like okay fine i'm done i'm quitting like you know if you're trying to go on a diet it's like all right i'm Done with fast food. Yeah. And we all do this kind of cold turkey. Like we're quitting cold turkey. And so he packs up all his porn, all his sex toys. Throws his computer away. Throws his computer away and just leaves it out to be picked up by the garbage. Yeah. But then I feel like that's what eventually sends him on his bender Mm -hmm. towards the end of the film. Because you can't quit cold turkey like that on anything. Right. Do you like the term cold turkey, by the way? I don't know. I feel you've, like I'm saying you've it You've said it a thousand times. Um, <laughs> okay, I, don't, just, uh, just, I don't mind the term. Okay, fine. Uh, just immediately quitting like that. Yeah. Uh, it's not good, even for anything. Addictions, you know, because quitting like that, you tend to fall back, which is what he does. He falls back into a bender when we get that really, I really liked the scene. When he's trying to have sex with his coworker, and he can't get an erection, right? Because this is different than all the other times. Because at least for me, I read it as I'm going into this differently. I'm going into this more as myself, mm-hmm. and he isn't used to that. Right. 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 He's, because yeah, yeah, he's he's not going at it as. You know, this is just another conquest, right? Um, and I don't even think he thinks of them as conquests necessarily. Well, uh, These, this is just another fix for him, right? 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 right. Um, you know, I don't think that he's, and I don't. I'm not saying he's insinuating this, but I'm also, you know, I, I'm not saying that he is belittling the woman by like never calling her again, essentially, or whatever. Like, you know, cutting them off completely. To him, the transaction's over. Right. Well, I mean, and especially since they they also established this early on, he pays for a lot of this. He does. Yeah, he hires escorts. So, uh, but you know, you know, he can't can't get an erection, and then proceeds to have very aggressive sex with a prostitute because that time, uh, I'm going to use the term you had. It's this is more of a transaction now. It's back to how it was and that's what then sends him on his spiral and and that's and that whole sequence is shot 
amazingly. Yeah. Uh, I, I love when in storytelling we see a character at one point, but then we kind of go back to see how he got there. Because mm-hmm. <clears throat> we first, because, you know, him and Sissy have their fight <clears throat> with him calling her a burden and pretty much saying, I'm done with you. You're moving out. Uh, and we see him on the subway, but he's got uh, a cut on his cheek. Yeah. And his face looks bruised. And then we go back and see, well, what the hell happened? Right. And I, I just love that, that it, he, his, because he has thrown all his fucks out the window. Yeah. And he just doesn't care anymore. Yeah. And it's. In fact, it, especially at the bar. Oh, I yeah. think he was wanting that guy to hit him. You know what I mean? He, yeah. He deserves this punishment in his eyes. Right. Uh-huh. And so that's why he's not making any sort of chance to. To not con- get his ass kicked. Conceal what he's doing. Number one. Yeah. Right. And to overtly double down when he gets confronted about it. Yeah. Right. Um, he's just like, dude, hit me, please. Right. And then the guy does. He does. Uh, which then, you know, anyone who's at that point of self-loathing would do exactly what David. Uh, God damn it. Brandon does next, mm-hmm. which is goes to a gay bar. Mm hmm. Gets uh, a little bit of mouth action and goes to a brothel and has a threesome. Uh, all in one night. Yeah, he... Um, His recovery time is perfect, by the all, way. Oh, my God. All, <laughs> all while ignoring... Sissy. Sissy, yeah. Which... Uh, oh, man. And, and, I, and I love that during the threesome... It's playing her voicemail to him. Yeah. And it's so... I really love juxtapositions like that. Yeah. We have his sister pouring her heart out to him because she needs she needs her brother. She needs family to tell her that everything's going to be okay. That you're not a bad person. And she even doubles down on that. We're not bad people. All the while, David's just having sex because that's... All he wants to feel. Mm-hmm. That's the most he wants to feel right now is pleasure. Yeah. Or at least a distraction. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, once he gets back to the apartment, um, <sighs> she's cut her wrist and it's not the first time. No. Right. Uh, which um, I'm racking my brain to other than our first encounter with her in the shower. If she had on short sleeves. Right. Because um, or. If he just blatantly didn't notice, right? Or didn't want to notice. I, I'm i going to go with he didn't want to notice. Got it. He didn't because I don't remember what she was wearing. Because when we, when we first see her in the shower, I caught it. She had a medical bracelet on. Mm-hmm. And then that next morning, she is wearing a short sleeve shirt. Mm-hmm. But I never saw any scars. any scars. And then I was like, oh, she's cut her wrist when his boss is like, oh, what happened to your wrist? And she's like, oh... Uh, you know. Oh, there you go. Yeah. I but we still remember. hadn't seen right, her right, actual right, right. arm until the hospital. The hospital, which, you know, for most film, I mean, I haven't seen a lot of films with, <laughs> with suicide, uh, but you know, they ho- they stay on it for a long time of yeah. him, panicking, yeah. trying to save his sister because, you know, you mentioned it. There is a part of him that still loves her. Yeah. 
And he, because if he didn't love her, he probably wouldn't try very, I'm sure he would try to help her, but he probably wouldn't try as hard if he didn't or love her. let her stay in his house. You know what I mean? Or, or Exactly. Right, right. And, but, you know, he's panicking, you know, he's, he's trying to keep her cognizant because he doesn't know how long she's just been right. there. And it's, I'll be honest, it was a little hard to watch, mm-hmm. but I couldn't look away either. I was like. Is she going to make it? Is she not going to make it? And she makes it. She makes it. Uh, but yeah, and then that's when he, I guess, we even as the audience see all her scars for the first time because it's like, I guess then he is seeing them for the first time. He's finally recognizing like, my sister has a problem. Why haven't I done anything? Right. Um, she's also been running away too, right? Mm-hmm. From whatever this is. Right. Right. Um, and then, of course, we we get the this sort of jump a few days or weeks. Um, mm. And we're back on the subway. And you had mentioned that it was unusual or, you know, defies the odds. that, But it's actually not. Not if you live in a big city and are in a constant, regular, routine commute. Uh-huh. So are other people. Right. I know. It it made me think of the pitch meeting joke where, like in Home Alone 2. Oh, that they're in the same. Well, they keep running into the same people. Yeah. And the guy's like, well, how many people do you think there are in New York? Oh, like, I don't know, 300? I don't know. Like I said, I just, I I thought it was just a little strange. What are the chances that he would happen to be on the subway again? And hey, there's a married lady again. There's that woman, yeah. There's uh, flirty guys. And this time, she's in. She's right. like, let's let's go. Right. And then we get that long close up of him and then the movie's over, right? We don't no. know what he decides to do. We don't know if he's like What do you think he decides to do? A part of me, the optimistic part of me, hopes that he would have uh learned from all of this. Uh you know, learned that his computer was full of porn on his hard drive, which my man, you're not turning on uh like private browsing well and then also you know that's the level of his addiction he doesn't care yeah um you know then everything with his sister i would hope that he is finally like okay i have a problem my sister has a problem i need to get better so i can help her get better so Mm -hmm. i a part of me would hope he'd be like nah fam i'm good but then there's also the part of me that knows that we as humans are flawed and like I said, I love that this film is very realistic in its story and its uh, dialogue. And so part of me also feels like he's like, all right, let's go. Let's let's get off this next stop and uh, get yeah. a hotel room. And it, what's interesting is in the first instance, in the beginning of the film, he is an active participant in this exchange. Mm-hmm. Not this time. No, right? He's more just looking at her. Right. This time. He's a little more stoic and, you know... He's not, he's not reciprocating these these glances, right? Right. He, he he's contemplating what to do next. I, I would but. say I would say the optimistic part of me outweighs the realistic, mm-hmm. but I, I I don't know which one to more go with, because you know we have this very ambiguous ending where, honestly, it could have gone either way. You know, he could have cut right before he. Brandon started throwing back flirty eyes himself. Mm-hmm. Or he may just like, mm, 
no, I'm good now. Like, yep. go go back to your husband. Right. Um, we don't know. We don't know. We don't know. Um, which I love. I yeah. like that movies can you know, yeah, I, provide this sort of... Uh, you have started to get me into this groove where I don't need a cathartic ending. Cool. To feel like I watched a really good movie. Like, most movies, I'm like, yeah, I... What happens? But with movie, like this one, with this very ambiguous ending, I'm like, okay, so he may have slept with her, or he may was like, here's my stop, I'll see you later. Right. Um, who knows? Who knows? Um, I read a review, well, it, was, it wasn't a review, it was a blurb. A blurb. Um, it might have been Peter Travers, I don't know who it was. Um, well, Peter Travers knows what the fuck he's talking about. But he, someone said that it was a a riveting psychosexual drama. And I didn't like that because that's boil that's boiling this thing down to just it's, it's cosmetics, right? Okay. Because Steve McQueen chose sex as the addiction. Didn't have to be. And the movie's still the same. Yeah. It could have been, it could have been like Requiem. It could have been drugs, you know, uh, could have been could've... drinking, could have been eating, could have been anything. Right. So I, it's not basic instinct. Right, like Basic Instinct is a psychosexual drama, right? Right. Um, this I wouldn't describe it that way. Yeah, I, I feel like just like with Rec Room, I would say this is just an addiction movie. Mm-hmm. Sex just happens to be the main component. Mm-hmm. The, it is the addiction, um, you know, and or it's a movie about trauma, right? right. I mean, it, it's not just one thing, right? So I didn't like that blurb. And and I didn't like they put it on the Blu-ray either. And shockingly, too, uh, <laughs> the threesome isn't as graphic as uh, the end of Requiem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So which th- is crazy. This movie did get an NC-17 rating. Uh, so did Requiem. But um, it's, I don't know, like, uh, I don't think it's rated as bad or bad or as, you know, as restricted in other countries. I like in, if you see it in Europe, there's no way um, you only have to be 17 or older. There's no way. I think you can be younger. Yeah. Cause I mean like, yes, there are very gratuitous sex scenes. There's only about, I would say one, two, really only about three Yeah, in the whole film. Um, you know, and the most gratuitous one is the threesome, but I mean, you know, it's highly stylized, you know, they're, you know, it's not over the top. It's a lot of quick cuts too. Mm-hmm. Well, that one is right. Um, yeah, the, the, yeah, I don't know, man. I, uh, you know, I think a lot of it is a lot of people aren't comfortable or used to male nudity in movies right? that's true uh he was he says in an interview fast better that um he used to hear his mom complain about that all the time as a kid he goes why is it always the woman who's naked and the guy still has his pants on right that's right. first off that's unrealistic and two it, it's sexist right it, it is very sexist and so he jokingly you know on the day of that scene he was like this one's for you mom Right. Well, it's funny you say that because I read a I read a little thing that said that apparently when him and his father went to go see the film, yeah, they were like, "Thank God, Mom your mother show. didn't come with you." Right. Yeah. Carrie Mulligan says her dad's not allowed to see it. <laughs> right. Um, well, I mean, but you only see Carrie Mulligan's boobs. Right. 
But but um, but then again, you know, kind of going back to the NC seventeen rating, you know, as we've mentioned through five seasons, uh, the MPAA are monsters. They are, and they don't know what the fuck they're doing. Do yourself a favor, our fans, fan, whatever, um, people who listen to this show, look up the rating and the reasons for Twister. Um, it's uh, <laughs> is Twister. Twister is PG thirteen. Okay. okay. But the reason is hilarious. It's like um, depiction of scary bad weather or something. It's what? Ho- it's hilarious. So what you're saying is that movie should have probably been PG? Or something. But it it, it doesn't matter. It, the rating isn't the funny part. The reason is. And so do yourself a favor. Look it up. It's really funny. Yeah. The MPA are, are monsters and they're dumb. Um, <laughs> I agree. Yeah. And... Hey, I'm really and glad you like this one. I I wasn't expecting I, you to to really like it. This, uh, I mean, the sex didn't bother me that much. No, and much. it's not supposed to. I didn't pick it to bother you. No, right? no, no. I know. I, I I loved it for its depiction of the human condition. You know, it's not so over the top as Requiem, which I right. did enjoy Requiem. Well, of course. Um, but it's not over the top mm-hmm. because, as I mentioned in that episode, those quick cuts of especially towards the end. When everyone's hitting rock bottom, it just gross me out because, yeah, ugh. yeah, yeah. Um, but it's not over the top, and it's, and in my opinion, at its core, it's a story of a brother and a sister, yeah, trying to repair themselves, try to help each other, repair each other, one more willing than the other, without really um, saying out loud what they're doing right because mm-hmm. like yeah i agree I, I they're trying to move past all of this right and have whatever this is and have a relationship but without acknowledging anything happened right right and so that's why it doesn't work yeah essentially but, but yeah man i enjoyed it i thought it was great uh fassbender i think is an amazing actor yeah. um I think he uh, has an amazing range. Uh, sometimes I forget that he's German. Yeah, uh, they, he mentions in this movie that he his character grew up in Ireland and then moved when he was a teenager. Um, I think that's where he lives or lived for a long time. He was born in Germany, but I don't think he lived there I was himself. reading that he's considered a, an Irish-German actor. Got it. Um which probably would explain why his accent is so different. It's not... It's very unique. It's not... It's like, not you can't pinpoint it. Yeah, it's not German, but it's not Irish. Yeah. It's kind of a melding of the two. There's another actress that's like that, that has a very unique accent. Oh, it's the woman who plays Maggie on um, on The Walking Dead. She has a... Uh, oh, Lauren... Uh, uh, Lauren, Lauren's her first name. Yeah. Uh, she has a very unique accent where yeah. hers is half British, half American, half Southern American, right? I mean, yeah. it's... Um, she says certain words that are Britishisms, sort of, and then she speaks with an American accent most of the time, right? Yeah. So it's it's sort of like that. Where it's yeah. Strange. So that yeah, has man. nothing to do with anything we're talking about. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I Fassbender is awesome, and this definitely was, bef- uh, I think, before he did an X Men movie, right? Because he wasn't yeah. he wasn't very swole in this movie. No, no, no. And no, they no. got him cut for the X Men movies, bro. That's fine. Uh, but yeah, man, I, 
I love Michael Fassbender. So as soon as you said Michael Fassbender, I was like, all right. You'd like Hunger um, on the Criterion Collection. Oh. Um, Steve McQueen's first theatrical release, first movie, or first, mm. like, big movie, or feature length. I might have to might have to comp that. It's amazing. It's uh, it's about the um, the hunger strike in this Irish prison. Oh. Scottish I, prison? I think I've, I think I've um, read some stuff about it's that. It's incredible. There is a, I don't want to get it wrong, I think 20 minutes long shot scene uh, of him and this other guy Un- unbelievable just like talking Unbel- yeah unbelievable performance mm. um by fastbender so so on the whole everyone steve mcqueen knows what the fuck is up he is he does and even widows had you know i it's my least favorite of his but it had really really cool stuff in it uh that he does so jeremy yes sir are you ready to wrap up wrap up, wrap up? yes sir. um yeah man uh i, I really liked it um and highly recommend people see it if i mean obviously we've ruined it by now but um <laughs> it's on hbo max yes cool. that's I where i found that. it i found it on hbo max everyone it was on on not hulu but on netflix yeah right? that's where i looked first and not there and then i just uh searched it on my um apple tv apple tv and yeah. it immediately says play now hbo max and i was, I was like, like oh great uh yeah i loved it i love carrie mulligan um as I talked about in Great Gatsby and in Inside Lewin Davis, I think she's an amazing actress. Um, I, of course, love her her episode in Doctor Who. She had an episode in Doctor Who. Huh. I think you would like that one because the Doctor's not even in it. It's all Carrie Mulligan. Uh, and they introduced some of the best villains, the Weeping Angels. Anyway, um, love the movie. love the writing. I for sure want to see more Steve McQueen now. Yeah. Um, oh wait, sorry, Sir Stephen Rodney McQueen. Oh boy. Uh, yeah, I definitely want to see 12 Years a Slave. I probably won't see Widows. Widows didn't really interest me that much anyway. Yeah, um, I forgot the guy's name and I wish I could remember it, uh, because I love this guy. Uh, he just did Judas and the Black Messiah. He, um, was in Get Out, of course. Um, Oh, Dan- Daniel. Yes. I can't pronounce his yep. last name. Yeah. So I- I'm so sorry, Daniel, if you're watching, buddy. We love you. Oh, yeah. Dude, if you're watching, dude, drop a comment. Uh, that would be nuts. Yeah. We we love you, bro. You so If you're you watching or awesome. listening. Uh, yeah, he does. He There's a scene where he is confronting. Because he's like the bad guy. Of he's winning. one of the. He's like the bad guy's. Right hand man. Heavy. Yeah. Gotcha. He's the. He's the guy who gets his hands dirty, right? And so he's confronting one of these guys who was supposed to do something and they screwed up, right? The camera spins around them, right? Uh-huh. And um, he's making the guy rap for him, right? Because they were like, what were you doing instead of paying attention? He goes, well, you know, I was rapping. You know I mean? And he goes, do it for me, right? And he Daniel gets closer and closer and closer and the the camera spins and spins and spins and he's like uh-huh yeah okay he's grooving shoots him in the head i mean it's incredible uh this this scene and that sequence um watch it for that it's yeah. not that far into the movie <laughs> you don't have to watch the whole thing uh but yeah man i, I love the movie um we didn't even talk about the earring thing 
that uh, we saw his oh, reflection here. in the air. O- oops, I forgot. Oops, I uh, forgot. Yeah, I was actually really looking forward to that scene. Yeah. Uh, and I really I really liked it. Earring was bigger than I remember, but yeah. I'm not going to lie. I thought we were going to actually really see him, like mm-hmm. really see Michael Fassbender. But I still really love the shot that we're just focused on this earring. Mm-hmm. And we just see him walk From out of wondered, frame. You know, it, we, another filmmaker would have just. It's been like, oh, hey, look, there's an earring right there. Or, you know, not have even shown the earring and just watched him walk across the room or taking that completely out, right? And oh, yeah, or done it differently, like maybe like a low shot and we see his feet it's walking. a lot of stuff that McQueen does that I'm just in awe of. You yeah. Know? Um, especially when it comes to his bigger budget stuff like 12 Years a Slave. He still keeps this, what I call indie filmmaker mentality where he does keep the long shots and he does, you know, keep these these film techniques that we would see in a more artistic film. Right. Right. And he right. still does it. So it's amazing. So Steve McQueen. It's funny you say that because that's going to segue into what we're going to talk about next week. Cool. Uh, talking about. Uh, Dude, my next one's going to be nuts. Anyway, go ahead. Talking about these shots from a director. So I didn't know what I was going to choose for next week. Mm-hmm. Um like, really, I didn't know what I was going to pick. Because, uh, as I've already told you, what our end of series is yeah, going to be, yeah, I'm yeah. really excited to talk about those movies. Um, and I'm just like... I'm what's like, really going to be great is it's going to follow a movie from me, which is going to be sad. So, that, <laughs> so that'll so that be fun. Um, but so, I really, and I really was thinking about it today. And it finally hit me. Uh, I want to talk about this movie. Mainly because we've mentioned it on the podcast before. We've just mentioned it. Okay. Because you said no one but him could have done this movie. Okay. Because no one but this director could have paid the homage that he does to this film's plot. Mm-hmm. I mean, now, of course, this film is based on a book. Okay. This film is technically a family-friendly film. Oh. It's PG. Rated PG. Guys. We will be discussing... Hugo. Hugo. By Martin Scorsese. All right. Because um, big fan. I I watched the film a while back and I loved it. I loved Yes. The, only Scorsese could have paid the homage the respect to, to George Mallier mm-hmm. that needed to be paid. I mean, the respect that George Mallier should be getting by every filmmaker to ever turn a camera on. I mean it you know, anyone who's ever thought about doing a special effect owes him money. I think we may even, I may ask you, because I may do it, uh, let's also watch uh, Journey to the Moon. We can. To incorporate that into the episode. Yeah, because um, I've always seen that film. And it's I think it's on Amazon. 1902. I have the Blu-ray. I also have a collection of his on DVD that has it in there. So if you need it, you can. But, um... But, you know, I'd already, I'd seen it everywhere. And I'm like, what is this film? And then when I finally saw Hugo, I was like, that's that movie. And then understanding how George Melier is so integral to modern film mm-hmm. now, yeah. I was like, I need to see this movie. Now. Yeah. And I, I fell in love with Hugo as the movie as a whole, too, because it's got great actors in it. Uh, Asa Butterfield. Um, my boy Sasha Bear Cohen up yeah. for that Oscar. <laughs> um, and then but then you've got you know uh, Sir Ben Kingsley, 
You've got Sir Christopher Lee, R.I.P. R.I.P. Um, and I was like, you know what? I we need to talk about this movie because yes, this is a movie. Well, written it was a book and then turned into a movie. For it's a film, film appreciation film essentially. Yeah, um, which is really cool that the author I don't know who the author is um, decided to create this this fictional world. That leads into this real person, yeah. right? And this person that actually existed and his in, real history and his right real situation where he ended up as mm-hmm. well. Um, so yeah, that'll be fun. Yeah, I love George Melian. Yeah, and you also love Martin Scorsese. I do, guys. And I really want to talk about the fact that one of the most uh, gangster, violent filmmakers. Made a kids movie. I think it was because his daughter was so young, Francesca. I, he talks about her all the time, which is how I know her name. And um, <laughs> and she uh, gives him shit. A lot of a lot of filmmakers start doing this, and actors do this when they have children. Is they want their kids to be able to see something that we're in. That's probably why Michael Pena did Tom and Jerry. Right? Maybe. I mean, you can show your kids Ain't Man. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah. <laughs> That's good enough. Oh, yeah. (laughs) All right, everyone. Well, we hope you enjoyed Shame. Mm -hmm. Um, Next week, Hugo. Before we close out, did just want to mention our special episode will be up. uh, Well, as of this recording, it'll be up tonight. But when this episode comes out, Uh, it'll be out a few days later. Hope you check that out. yeah, that'd be fun. Like I said, um, we'll probably never do one of those again. Maybe not. It was maybe another kid. <laughs> uh, maybe, but uh, maybe I don't again, know. Again, watch in and of itself, and I guess watch Zack Snyder's uh, uh, Just Link to. But for sure, watch Shame. Yeah, and we will see you next week for Hugo. Right through the very
Thank you.